Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey, everybody. Welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne. I'm kicking off a brand new series that will be covering healthcare HR in preparation for the ASHRA conference and several other healthcare HR conferences that are taking place around the world, across the globe. My special guest is Dan White, who will be joining me on this series. Dan is the president of Workforce Solutions at AMN Healthcare. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining me. How's it going, Rand? It's going very well. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk to you about healthcare HR. I know it's a lot of it is this is very similar to human resources in several other industries, several other functions. But I think because it feels different to the practitioner that we need to address it as something different. So this is what I'm hoping we can achieve with this series is to address a few things that are different and difficult for healthcare HR. One thing we're going to talk about today is talent acquisition and the mismatched job to opening ratio or job to uh, applicant and hire ratio. So we'll get right into it. Dan, can you give us a brief introduction of yourself and then we'll jump right in? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show. You and I have been friends and colleagues for a long time. And I too uh, have come from non-healthcare into healthcare doing you know managed service programs, RPO, executive leadership positions, you know, all kinds of solutions for our HR clients and colleagues out there. And I agree, healthcare is different. It's one of the few, frankly, that I've discovered in my 30 plus years of doing this stuff that is different. I love that you say that because I've done a lot of study about this. I started off in HR in healthcare. I was a healthcare specific uh-huh. rec- recruiter and I always felt it was different. But the more that I talked to other HR professionals, they would always say, ah, HR is the same across the board. But I think it is very different in healthcare. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. So we're, we're going to talk about RPO, recruitment mm-hmm. process outsourcing and, and MSP. And that's the, the one that I really want you to dive in and tell us a little bit more about. That's managed service provider. So to the average healthcare patient, if we consider the patient uh, Mm -hmm. in all of this scenario, because ultimately that's what healthcare affects most of all is the the patient and, and of course all the employees that work within healthcare. But to the average healthcare patient, what does an NSP, MSP, managed service provider and an RPO, how is that different to the patient? Does it affect the patient in any way? Well, it's funny you ask that because our goal to the patient is to be invisible, meaning that they shouldn't know, the hiring manager shouldn't know, and anybody who is a consumer of our services should not know that you know we're there behind the scenes trying to help out our healthcare talent acquisition clients and, and partners fill the the quality staff that they need. I'm, what a patient wants, right, is high quality patient care. Right. Um, and so our goal is to get them the quality staff, whether that's 
core staff or contingent staff that really is going to deliver on that patient care. And that's what everyone wants, right? The patient, our clients, and us. So when when we consider um, managed service providers, which I, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. This is Mm -hmm. contract employees that come in and fill openings and positions that are vacant within a healthcare organization. And an RPO, which is outsourcing that process of recruiting, whether it's, it's contract, bringing in contractors, or it's hiring permanent. So how can healthcare HR professionals make a shift? Because as we know, there's so much work that goes into human resources now. It is a a really in-depth function for an organization. And if you're having trouble filling openings, which is something that has been going on for the last 15 to 20 years, it's been very Uh difficult to fill these openings. The shortage, the staff shortage is still ongoing. And um, yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about ACA and AHCA and how that's affecting it w- as well. But how can an HR professional in healthcare today actually do the shift in their thinking and say, you know what, it's okay if we have contract employees on board. It's okay if I outsource the recruitment function. I need help right now. And so many of us in, in HR I like to say I can do it myself. <laughs> and we really, we really can't internally if there's this severe of a shortage. So what kind of advice are you giving to your clients to help them get past that? Well, let me kind of go back to the original part of the question that you had, and then I'll, I'll sort of build from there. So the difference between an MSP or a managed services program and an RPO solution is really just the type of labor that it serves. So you know really well that an RPO solution will bring in people, process excellence, a technology ecosystem that's best in class, and maybe even kind of a measurement framework to make sure you're getting the right outcomes from that solution. And an MSP is exactly the same, except it's for contingent labor. So RPO is core staff, MSP is Uh, contingent staff. And what's different and important about the, the either of these solutions is that, you know, I run a business that is totally focused on investing in improving all of those things, right? The people, the process, technology, and measurement. And I have way more money to spend on that because I do that for hundreds of clients. And an internal HR or talent acquisition team can really only do it for their own. And so we get scale. I often say it this way, Rianne. I mean, their back office is my front office, right? This is the whole entire thing, right, that we do. And so while they're caring for engagement scores and benefits and payroll and all kinds of other things, all I do is focused on getting the right people at the right time, and even in some ways and in the right kind of economic contract, if you will. So in healthcare, we think about talent in three buckets, actually, which is why it's different. There's the core staff, there's the contingent staff, which is always, right, um, right. part-time and not, not really an employee. And then there's this thing in the middle that we call a float pool. And a float pool can sometimes be a mix of both of those types of resources. And they're the ones that kind of fill in the gap and make it a lot more flexible, right? Because healthcare is 
really focused on shift work for the most part in a like an acute care setting. And so the complexity of shifts and having it be a 24 by 7 operation require that you have each of these three kinds of components. So do you find that some of your clients struggle with that? Are they, some of them want permanent staff or are they, is there an acceptance now that you actually need those three buckets? I think there is a a general acceptance that those are the three buckets. I think sometimes, you know, we get into philosophical debates, right? Whether, boy, you know, contingent labor is bad. You should never use it. You should only have core staff or permanent staff. One of the things that we get to bring to the table is a a really strong predictive analytics capability that actually proves to people that sometimes contingent labor is actually far more cost-effective, frankly, than than core staff. So, for example, if you're a, a rural hospital and you have lots of seasonality in your census, might make a whole lot more sense for you to have you know contingent labor come in for a little bit of the year and then fly back out, right, instead of having that person around full time. There are other examples, Ryan, where we have clients that have really, really strong union environments where the benefits and so forth are, you know, candidly more expensive when you put somebody into overtime and, and that sort of situation than having a contingent worker. And so there's lots of things that affect the cost and as a result, impact the decisions you're making, right? Yep. Okay. So let's move on and talk about ACA, AHCA, which we know just passed the first stop sign. It's got to go through. And the regulations, the changes in technology, and you probably know Mm -hmm. this better than anyone having come from the technology industry into healthcare. Healthcare mm-hmm. HR could easily jump into a crisis mode, right? When, mm-hmm. when between the regulations, compliance, all the crazy things, Joint Commission, all the things that healthcare has to do in order mm-hmm. to be uh, remain open and running. A hospital has to do these things in order to stay open and serving its its community. What is yeah. the most important thing for a healthcare HR professional to do to keep them out of crisis mode? Because it would be very easy to to see all of these different things and have, you know, different things come across their desk, whether it's that joint commission is showing up tomorrow or whatever it might be and, and have them, what, what can they do to stay out of crisis mode? And then if, if you could, if there's another thing that they should do Uh or could do, if you could add that also. Sure. So again, I'll, I'll sort of go back to the beginning part of your question and and I actually would volunteer that it's not really a question. It's actually a statement. So we actually are in crisis mode. Okay. Um, it's not, you know, could easily jump into. And, and one of the reasons for that is if you look at Bureau of Labor Statistics or, you know, other benchmarks here, for every two vacancies that are open, one gets filled. Yeah. Um, and that, that, you know, that gap is widening. <laughs> Yeah. So that's a paltry 50%, right? That's that's just awful. Yeah, I mean that means um, there's a lot of openings. A lot of openings sure. that are not getting filled either by contingency right. workforce or by the core staff. So That's uh, right. So the question, right, is really why is that? So, 
A lot of people think that it might be these regulatory things, but we've done lots of research and analysis on this. And I would tell you that the three most important things are not that. The three most important things are we've had a strong economy for quite some time, and that makes people feel really good about not only their, you know, their retirement and their savings and so on, but also their ability to take some risk, right? They might go switch jobs or take a temporary assignment for a while just to try something new. The second big piece is that the clinical workforce, the most important component of the workforce we're talking about, is also aging. The, the mm -hmm. average age of a nurse right now is well into the mid-50s. All of our research says that most are contemplating retirement in the next one to three years. Wow. And so, and while they might not take action on that, the fact that they're even thinking about it is a little bit scary. And reporting right? on it. I mean, they're actually saying it. They're saying, I'm going to yeah, retire in the next one sure. to three years. For sure. And, and then the third piece, and then I'll, I'll come back to you, is just that that same population is also aging and therefore requires more demand from healthcare. Okay. And so you've got big demand, lots of movement, and a very, very short supply. And so, you know, this notion that ACA is driving it all is just not true, even well, that's though good. it, that's, it that's adds good. to some complexity, right? Right. As I've, I've studied up and read for our interview here, I saw that there mm -hmm. are more and more people have healthcare now. So they're, yeah. they're seeking healthcare. They're yeah. se seeking time with their physician or specialties because they have the healthcare. It, we are in a time of, um, no, uh, an economic rise, right? So people have mm -hmm. extra money. So they're actually getting uh, the treatment that they've been putting off or have needed. And are, are we still looking at a shortage of nurses due to not enough universities? that have a nursing that's, program? Because that's what the problem was 15 years ago. There were yeah, not enough yeah. nursing programs. So is that still a problem? I, I think it's still a problem, less about uh, really the programs and more about the size of the programs mm. versus the need. There is some really good research out there. We follow, you know, uh, Dr. Beerhouse, Peter Beerhouse does some really good work in this regard. And there are others, but Every time that we look at it and every time that we look at the sort of widening gap that I referred to before, it just doesn't feel like this shortage is going to you know, end yeah. anytime yeah. soon. So we just have to keep um, plugging along. Uh, Dan, we're going to take a quick break and we'll hear from sure. our sponsor, Dovetail Software, and we'll come right back. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the impact of technology on healthcare HR. We'll be right back. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. 
All right, and we're back. I'm speaking with Dan White, who's the president of Workforce Solutions at AMN Healthcare. We've been talking about healthcare HR, RPOs, recruitment process outsourcing, and managed service provider or managed service programs. Dan, thanks for joining me today. I know that we we talked a little bit about how can healthcare HR help solve the issues of the the crisis that is happening right now, whether it's ACA, whether it's AHCA, whether it's the shortage that we're still experiencing in, in skilled workers coming into healthcare. So if you could address that, and then we'll talk about technology. Sure. So to solve the challenges of the crisis that we've been talking about, I, I think healthcare HR professionals really need to do what their colleagues have done in other industries like manufacturing, financial services, and so on and really tap into the expertise of either experts, you know, like AMN or or some of our qualified competitors or even their colleagues, you know, bringing in experience from outside of healthcare that really do understand all of what it takes in terms of building the right branding, oh, implementing so the right important. technology, right? All of the stuff that it takes to be excellent at acquiring and, and attracting and nurturing talent. And, you know, I, I think it's not really top secret or anything like that. There's there's kind of a recipe. But at the beginning of the, the show, we talked a little bit about just the inability of certain organizations to invest in this. I think right. that that's been a big part of why other industries have just latched on to uh, working with partners like us to get there faster, right? Right. You can certainly do it on your own, but when we've already got the mousetrap built, I uh, might as well just use it. Okay. So we talked a little bit about healthcare HR being different, right? Than other yeah. HR or uh, organizations or HR departments within other industries. But really what they need to do right now is kind of think like those industries, those that have embraced technology ha- can understand the need for contractors outside of their core staff, whether it's contingency workforce or bringing in a contract recruiter to fill those yeah. needs when, when the HR department is overwhelmed or actually in crisis mode, which we are in right now, correct? So yeah. um, what are some of the things? What are the, some of the things that HR, healthcare HR can say right now? Is it embracing technology? Because one of the things that I remember when I first started recruiting in healthcare was I can remember walking a nurse through how to attach a resume to an email, right? So yeah. this, was, this was not that long ago. This was less than 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. it was free, you know, the electronic records. There were many hospitals that were talking about going paper-free but not very many of them did it. And what I've seen and heard is that patient care has gone paper-free, but the HR in in healthcare has not gone paper-free yet. So they're still dealing with files and sticky post-it notes and all those crazy things that HR has been dealing with for the last 30 to 40 years. So what advice can you give HR at this point when, when we think about moving forward technologically and really embracing the time, the era that we're in? There's a couple of things I'll point out. One of the things, just to make sure that everybody understands the differences, right? This is a highly regulated, license-focused, credential-focused business. And that's for good reason, right? Nobody dies when you hire a bad accountant, Um, right? right? And so it's super important that your focus is first and foremost on quality. 
for me, getting, getting all of that part down right is critical. One of the ways that we like to do or, or to recommend uh, for healthcare clients is for them to focus on the same kinds of evolution, really, that we've used in, in other industries. So you, you were saying before, you know, there are some healthcare organizations that still use paper and still right. use email and so on. I would say that the the majority have begun to use kind of, you know, regular or even rudimentary ATS systems and so on. But few have gotten to the places where Google or really advanced uh, talent acquisition teams have gotten where they're taking not only the ATS they have, but using artificial intelligence to keep that stuff fresh or right. to really focus on branding and meeting the candidate in a place where they want to live, whether that's Facebook or LinkedIn or, you know, some other place, right? If you're in an environment like healthcare where the supply is limited, then you really need to go to them. You can't wait for them to come and go through your 15-minute application process, right? You need to go to them, make it easy, has to be 30 seconds or less for you to get their information and for you to reach out to them. AMN takes that and, and goes even further and really tries to use technologies and data to create personas, just like you do in, in any kind of sophisticated commercial marketing, right? Who is most likely to want to take a job in Springfield, Illinois, right? might be someone who's from there. And you might find that out through their Facebook profile or, or other means, right? And so you need to do a lot more data gathering and, and profiling of people before you really get to that kind of needle in the stay, uh, haystack. Okay. And other industries have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, and it's it's really important for us to remember that those that that work in healthcare to to feel confident and comfortable moving forward and recognizing that look, it's it's across the board. This is what's happening. One yeah. statistic that I read that just flabbergasted me that was that uh, I love saying that word flabbergasted. You don't get to use that in everyday conversation, <laughs> right? So is is when we talk about spend and we look at the yep. curve of healthcare our hospital spend that's taking place right now. Within uh -huh. seven years, our healthcare spend is going to reach $5.4 trillion in the U.S. Uh -huh. That's insane. Yeah. That is an increase of nearly double what the spend was in 2014. It's, it's going to be, yeah. um, I think it was 5.8%, something like that. Uh -huh. And it will reach 5.4 trillion. And that's covering uh -huh. everything that has to do with healthcare, probably because of our aging workforce probably mm -hmm. because the retirees are going to be the greatest number that they've ever been, right? And so yeah. we're, we're looking at, at, we can actually see why there are a couple of verticals within healthcare that have, that have grown, home health yeah. and geriatric yeah. healthcare that have, been, have seen significant growth over the last five years. And it's because of our aging population, right? Sure. Yeah. So Let's move forward and talk about the three C's. So they, they were identified in, and I'm going to share this, the paper that I read that um, was shared uh -huh. with me by your team. When we talk about the benefits offered 
to healthcare HR when it comes to using an RPO, using an MSP. Um, the three uh-huh. C's offered by managed care or managed services program are cost reduction, compliance, and control. If you could tell uh-huh. us a little bit more about those benefits to help my audience understand. You bet. So the reason that I like to use those three C's is really that's what's most important to the C-suite in a healthcare organization. They want to make sure that they are providing the best care at the most cost-effective, in the most cost-effective manner. There's tons of compliance, right, that we've talked about already. And control, or really the visibility is probably another way of thinking about that, of what you're getting, what the value is of the, the money that you're spending are really what a CEO would want to know about, right? So for us, when you think about cost reduction, it's about speed. It's also about knowing on the contingent labor side, for example, what the market bears, and that changes a lot, right? It's a supply-demand sort of environment. And thinking about that with compliance and and those sorts of outcomes is really uh, if we refer back to our, our earlier statements around process you know, excellence and implementing technologies, you can do both of those. If you do both of those things, you get better compliance and a lot more visibility into whether it's recruitment outcomes or even patient-related uh, outcomes. We like to take that a step further and add predictive analytics and scheduling and other things that really help a uh, an organization get better control over this big problem that they have. You know, Rand, you were talking a minute ago about the expense, right, that healthcare has. Right. Um, today, most times that I talk to somebody that's in an acute care setting, labor is about 50% of the total spend that they have. And so it's a pretty significant number. So if if you're spending you know half of your dollars on labor, then making sure that that portion is is efficient is you know paramount. So anyway, I hopefully that yeah. gives you some level of uh, yeah, of answer it's, it's great. So we, we've t- a lot of what we've talked about today has come from um, I believe it's a white paper called Patient Care to Talent Care, which I love. Optimizing mm-hmm. talent acquisition in healthcare through holistic talent management. And I'm going to include this paper, if that's okay, in the bio section of the, of the show, because I would love for my listeners, especially those that are working in healthcare HR, to have access to this information and, and really take it back to their teams and, and gain a greater understanding of how they can benefit, how their organization can benefit from um, maybe relaxing a little bit into their roles and and being dependent upon the services that are available out there for them, like an MSP or an RPO. So we're going to wrap yeah. the show for today. My guest today has been Dan White, who's the president of Workforce Solutions at AMN Healthcare. Dan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Rianne. I always enjoy speaking with you. Such a pleasure. And we'll, we're going to be coming back and I probably have two or three more episodes where we're going to address more issues that have to do with healthcare HR and how um, healthcare, healthcare HR professionals today can relax a little bit into their roles and understand the benefits that are available to them out there, that they are not alone. Um, I, I love, I've, for a long time, I've been associated with 
Ashra, and and they really enjoy the content that we've been producing. Dan, you were on um, a series that I did last year, and yeah. Ashra was really happy to share that out. So hoping that we'll get the same response this year and that we'll be benefiting the members. So thanks again. You bet. We'll talk, we'll to talk you next soon. Time. Yes. Thank you, everybody. All right.